1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey. Yeah. yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And it is Judd's Hockey Show as titled now. Judd's Hockey Show with the side of Declan Goff. Hello, Declan. Mm, I love the sound of that. I'm doing good, Judd. How are you? Actually, you didn't ask me how <laughs> that I was. That's sort of creepy. No, I did, but you creeped me out by saying, mm, I love the sound of that. I mean, it does sound good. It but sounds really good. It just the connotations that came from that were very uh, intriguing, shall we say that. All right, we, uh, we're in a month plus now with uh, no sign of sporting events being played, and especially when that comes to our favorite sport, hockey in the National Hockey League. So what have we seen Hmm. now in the last week since the last episode of Judd's Hockey Show with the side of Declan? What reports, um, guesses, speculation have we seen about if and when hockey might return to conclude its uh, 2019-2020 campaign?
0: Well, it seems like there is still a belief they can play some summertime hockey at some point uh, to finish out this regular season and then do a playoffs. I don't know, man. I just don't. I still don't understand how you're going to be able to finish. What let's just call it five, six games, right? I think that there was like maybe a maybe a little more, probably, no, like a, dozen, more. probably yeah. a dozen, yeah, probably about a dozen. a dozen amount of games. I think left. That's right. And so let's say like you start best case scenario July first. That takes you know two weeks to finish up a dozen games, and then you have a normal seven games. Se- like you'd be running. I don't understand the logistics how you could seriously finish that because the hockey playoffs in general are two months. So. If it's July 1st, you'd be able to finish by September 1st? I I don't know, man. Just from
1: a perspective of, and I get that we are talking about TV contracts. I get the fact we're talking about lost revenue and money decks. But let's forget about that for one second. Just from the perspective of the sport that you love, do you feel that there'd be any, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Sincerity is the one that comes to mind, but it's probably not the right word. But in trying to finish this thing. Like, if you have a team parading around with the Stanley Cup on August 30th or something, I'm not sure that does much. I, I'm I guess I'm to the point personally, and I understand that this comes down to revenues, this comes down to TV contracts and all that. But just from a hockey fan perspective, I'm almost to the point now where unfortunately the 2019 20 season is done. And that does not mean that I am not excited for the potential that it could pick up at some point in uh, 2021. I'm not saying that. But do you feel there's a big need to give someone that chalice at this point for uh, 2019, 2020? Because I just don't.
0: I know. And I know Pierre Lebrun reported there's options for 78, 76, 74 regular season games, so not finishing the full 82. Sure. Ah, it, it just seems like it's way too complicated, man. And it stinks that there's probably going to be an asterisk on a Stanley Cup that's not involving a lockout. I get that. It stinks. Like, we're all in this. We all understand that. But is it really going to be... I, I, I'd still watch. Yes, I would still watch if they had empty arenas and they're playing hockey. Yeah, I'm starved for sports right now. Of course I'd watch. I just don't understand how you're going to be able to do it all. I don't, I don't get that at all. And then the report of if you can finish the summertime hockey... Then the regular season starts like a little bit later towards Thanksgiving. You eliminate the All Star Game and bye week, which, by the way, all for that. Well, you
1: need to eliminate those bye weeks, regardless. COVID
0: nineteen outbreak, global pandemic outbreak or not, I am for the bye weeks being yeah, removed. That's
1: one of the stupidest ideas in sports.
0: And it, to get that rid of, uh, to get rid of that, but I, I don't know how you can still do this. It, it I just, I think you, you're at the mercy of just sitting and waiting. And unfortunately, all the teams that competed for the first sixty 68, 69 games of the season. Sorry, you're gonna have to just wait until next year, and you'll start all over with a clean slate.
1: And there is no way that if they come back, that they can play out the season. They're gonna have to go to playoffs. Like there's no, I'm not buying for one second this. Well, you know, it's not fair if we don't. No, you are. If you do try and come back you've got to immediately go to playoffs. Now, that doesn't mean that each team couldn't play, like, one exhibition game or something to get set for those playoffs. Yeah, But you are not going to have the L.A. Kings and all those Detroit Red Wings <sighs> bottom-feeding teams playing out their schedule. It's not necessary. It's silliness. So I just think at this point, if you are really thinking this thing through, are you really going to bring teams back in the in the middle of summer? So my response is no the other problem too that all sports have is basically if everybody comes back at once okay we're we're going through a, a pandemic right now which has crippled the economy so you really think people are going to be buying a ton of tickets like yeah. if like if baseball comes back hockey comes back basketball is playing football is starting and you know soccer is starting you really think that people are going to be like okay everybody's back what do i buy tickets to right like that's not going to happen. Don't People you, watch, but they're not. But they're going to not be going to games.
0: Don't you think this is another caveat too for them to try to get a better National League TV deal and better TV? That's revenue up, deal? and they're going to. They, I mean, this only. Well, is.
1: they thought they were going to. Now yeah. it might be. But I, I think what they're finally going to do. Thank God, because I've been talking about this for years now. These idiots. What they're finally going to do is, um, I think they're going to get an NBCSN deal. That's going to. Well, it was going to be more than they were previously getting the problem now is with the pandemic obviously the economy's in big trouble uh but they're also going to do what the nba did years ago which is split a deal off and get espn a package as well there was never the only reason that they went exclusive was because they got ten dollars more right
0: what's your thoughts too on them just going back to espn because i'm for it people think like look espn doesn't do a good hockey job you know why because they don't have the rights and they don't and they don't so why should they there's a reason that they go all NBA NFL because they have those rights, and for it's sure. also why baseball has slowly been dwindling away. They they don't do Wednesday night baseball anymore. At least I don't think they do. They don't cover. They don't do baseball tonight. They like don't they used do the studio do. shows like they used so, to because
1: people are bored by baseball.
0: I'm totally for them going back to like I think hockey fans here NHL and ESPN. The automatic get turned out. That's your best bet at getting national people to start watching your sport again. Is getting it on ESPN. Like do do people not oh, realize yeah. this? I, it's it's another thing with the hockey community that just absolutely makes me. Well, they
1: they need to be on both. They they need to to have. I I think their their NBC SN deal is really really good, and that's a primary deal. And I get the fact that that network carries a ton of games, but you need to have, if nothing else, at least a game a week on ESPN. Absolutely. And but there's never. But you know. But again, it's the most short-sighted money. This league is so full of people anxious to jump on the dollar bill that they that it's why. They're having expansion continually. There's no reason to to expand. I guarantee you right now, Declan, there are teams, I would guess Florida, the Panthers or tops, who coming out of this are going to be in enormous financial trouble. Those are the teams that should have been relocated to Mm -hmm. the Seattle and Vegas's. But Gary saw a chance to get his money and the owners are all like, that's great. Same thing, TV. Instead of saying, you know, NBC, I know that you're going to pay us X amount to be exclusive and that sounds really, really good. But to your entire point, ESPN is incredibly important. Instead of saying that, they're like, if ESPN won't pay us, we're not going to be there. Gary Bettman, here's all you need to know about Gary. So, so, and look, I know he's growing the sport and he's in the Hall of Fame and all that. Whoa. All you need to know about Gary Bettman is the fact that he got on the conference call, and I was on this firsthand because I was covering TV radio at the Strip at the time. When they left, coming out, out of lockout, I believe, ESPN for, at the time, OLN, Outdoor Life Network, on that conference call, Somebody immediately asked Gary Bettman what you're asking or what you're stating, Declan, which is, you know, what's your expectation of coverage now? That you're leaving the sports leader, the the network that everyone considers. And Gary's like, they will continue to do a great job. I know they will. They're going to show us on SportsCenter. They're still going to have their shows. And, like, you could hear the guffaws. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, what are you talking about? Right. So, anyway, long story short, (laughs) I I hope in the next US TV contract that we see them on ESPN, NBC does a great job as well. Um, but if you're bleeding this for a buck, that's the wrong approach. What you should do and what makes you money eventually is to be as popular as possible by spreading your your word around on the network people are watching and ESPN is what they're watching. That's what you want. Exactly what you want. All right. Are you ready for this week's um delving into the history of the wild? We've yes. done we've done good, we've done some bad. L- last week we focused on our top five all-time wild trades as far as the best top five as far as successful deals smart deals that have been made by Doug Riseborough and um, Chuck Fletcher, uh, Paul Fenton very highly ranked because of the because uh, of the Fiala trade and now of course Billy Guerin. So this week we decided to do the five worst wild trades of all time. Let's go five to one. Yes. That sound good. yes all right five to one. And unlike our exercise last week when we all agreed that the Dubnik trade was so by far and away the best that we took it and put it on a pedestal and then did five more, Yeah, I think in this case we probably can just do five, so I'd like you to start. Sure. All
0: right, so number five for me, this one's probably a lot higher on a lot of people's lists. It could be higher on your list. And by the way, our listeners, we Judd and I don't cross lists here. We, we don't cross a lot of other things, so we don't cross <laughs> lists.
1: Yeah, we don't hang.
0: All right, so number five for me yep. is the Rask for Nino trade. It's number five. It's it, it could be a lot higher. And, yeah. it, and I understand that... Um, it's
1: not my one, but I, but it is higher.
0: Sure. It, the thing with the trade was you knew Nino wasn't working here. He was making a pretty penny. He was being bogged down by other, other wingers. And you tried something with Victor Rask, who looked really good on a really bad Hurricanes team for a couple years, had some really fluke injuries, Then he realized he couldn't skate, actually carved out a nice little role on the fourth line when he was deployed correctly. But Nino, you had to get rid. Like, you knew eventually you were just going to get rid of him. And I understand that Victor Rask hasn't turned in to anything that's worthwhile to the same, basically, replacement-level player that you'd like to see in a trade. But it, it, it didn't... It didn't hurt your franchise. Like I look at this trade, I don't look at that trade and be like, man, this really derailed everything what the Minnesota Wild wanted to do. It's a bad trade, no doubt about it, but I don't think it hurt the Wild as a franchise.
1: Interesting. I mean, it was such a one-sided, stupid trade, and Fenton Fenton was told by his flat-out, my understanding behind the scenes is the analytics department that they employed at the time, Uh those people told him flat-out, can't you, make this you trade. You can't make this trade, and here's exactly why. And he's like, I'm making the trade, and basically didn't care, which in, which in and of itself is really um, dumb. But, yeah, I mean, as far as, here's the other thing, too, that I will say about the Niederreiter to carolina trade that might sort of support your point as well. You made such a good trade to get him from the Islanders yeah. for Clutterbuck, and you got so much from him. Game seven, right? Against yeah. Colorado, that goal. Uh, you certainly got some good times and production that it didn't feel that it did not feel like they traded a guy who you said to yourself, This guy's still at the top of his game and, and he's great. So I get your point. If Rask could even skate, I think we all might say, well, not a great not a great trade, but not a killer. But it was the fact that you got back a player who could not play. Like the coil trade, all right? Charlie Coyle in the right environment in Boston's probably pretty good. And he is good, yeah, it's a good. Choice. But Donato, Donato can play, and I like his uh, possibilities. And so, it, could that end up being a bad trade? Absolutely, it could. But you know, you see him play, and you're like, oh, that guy's got some skill. And if they'd use him like this or like that, it might help. I think our problem is that we watch Rask, and of, of course, before the uh, pandemic hit, we watched him a lot from the press box, or he sat right behind us in the press box. But at the times that we watched him. You're, like, watching a guy, and you and I are like, he really can't skate. hmm So, all right, well, I've got that on, on my list, but that is not my five. Okay, what's your five? My five, actually, and as you said to me a couple of days ago, the interesting thing about this exercise, much like with the Wild's best trades, it's not filled with, like, for sure, awful, awful trade. Yeah. It's just filled with this list of sort of, eh. February 9th, 2007, a trade that actually did not benefit the team to which this guy was traded to, but he he went on to find success, and more importantly, the guy that you got back did absolutely nothing. Do you remember the Pasquale Dupuis for Adam Hall trade to the Rangers? Who was, I believe Hall was a forward.
0: Okay, yeah, I remember the
1: trade. So so Dupuis had uh, 10 goals and 13 points in 48 games in 2006-07 with the Wild, all right? He then, before retiring, I think he had a a blood issue or something. Uh, But before retiring, he went on to play 537 more games, scored 123 goals, and retired in 2015-16. He played for the Rangers. He played for the Thrashers then, briefly, and then spent the majority of his time playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins on some teams that won cups. And I think he might have been on a line, of course this helps, with Sidney Crosby at one point. Adam Hall had two goals in 23 games with the Wild that season, and then bounced himself from Pittsburgh to Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Philadelphia. So Dupuis uh, certainly had some help by playing with a loaded Pittsburgh team. But when you get a guy who came in, scored two goals in 23 games for him, and did nothing, and then left... That's a good one. That's a pretty bad trade. Yeah.
0: No, that's a really good, Dupuis that's a good one. And had
1: been a nice player on that 2003 team. You know, Pasquale Dupuy was not an all-star for the Wild. Wee oui, oui, oui. But he was certainly a serviceable enough player to to garner more than a guy by the name of Adam Hall who played 23
0: games. And had some really nice years in Pittsburgh, too, afterwards. So, yeah. I mean, it turned out to have a really nice And those career. were
1: really good teams. Yeah. But he still was a good player. Yeah. The, the return, much like, I guess, as we talked about your fifth trade, much like the Nino trade you'd like the return for those guys to be a guy where you're like, oh, yeah, that guy turned out to be a good player Mm -hmm. for your team. Yep. This was not the case. Number four. Okay, number four
0: for me, and this one's tricky because I don't think what you gave up and what you got back um, were so night and day different, but it was an opportunity for you to strike and you just missed, Mm -hmm. and that was the Matt Molson trade. So the members, you remember the Matt Molson trade with the Sabres, and Molson was, I believe, coming off two consecutive seasons of being a 30-goal scorer. And had a little bit of production with the Wild when he got here. Um, you gave up Tori Mitchell a 2014 second and a 2016 second. And I looked up those second round picks that Buffalo used. They haven't materialized yet. They could still maybe turn into something, but they haven't materialized to anything. And even though Molson wasn't around, wasn't able to do what you wanted to do, I still think it was an opportunity to push you over the edge in that 2013-14 team that, by the way, took the Blackhawks two six games, that was the same trade. So let's say you got another impact player. We had Zach Parisi on a Minnesota Sports Rewind, which you can also find in this podcast feed last week, and he said they were missing one more true center. Now, that's a broken record in the last, basically, for the better part, of the last 20 years of the wild. However, if you were able to get that player, that impact center instead of Matt Molson, it's a completely different tune, I think, in that Blackhawks series, and possibly to a run at the cup. So. Yes, the trade wasn't detrimental, but you had an opportunity and you sent off a lot and you bought a lot in on Matt Molson and it didn't work. So it's a missed opportunity in my in my opinion, a bad trade. And Molson did nothing, right? Yeah. And by the way, he's in the AHL right now, tearing it up. He's a veteran in the, <laughs> the AHL. He had thirty. Because he, had like he 30 wants goals. his money, right? Yeah. He got <laughs> paid again by Buffalo. So like he went back to Buffalo. Man, they're because he was a run. UFA. He was a rental.
1: Man, have they been poorly run? And Chuck it- always used to think he was.
0: Ripping tight. his buddies off from Buffalo. And mm. and he's, uh, he's turning up in the AHL, but it was a missed opportunity. So, therefore, sure. in my opinion, I classify it as a bad trade. All right.
1: What do you got for four? Number four. My guess is you've got this trade, and my guess is this is probably higher for you. Uh-huh. February 12, 2010. Kim Janssen yeah. and a young defenseman, Nick Letty of Eden Prairie and the Gophers, to the Blackhawks for Cam Barker. Cam Barker. Just the name upsets me. The third overall pick by the Blackhawks in 2004, Barker played 71 games with the Wild then over two seasons before going to Edmonton and then the Canucks. Uh, he played a combined 39 games for those two teams. Um, this, to me, if officially crosses us into the territory of what were you thinking, Trades? Right.
0: It is number three for me, too, by the way. Actually, it's a, oh. it's deadlocked with you. Or it's... Or you had... That's your four, i got right? that at four. That's sorry. That's my three. But, yeah, just the idea that you had Nick Letty, who was a very controllable and serviceable player and still is to this day, and you gave up... Look, And, and Kim Johnson is... You know, that's the yeah, throw-in. That, it, and that yeah. doesn't
1: matter. That didn't but, matter at all. But
0: Cam Barker, like, what were you thinking? Like, I, I don't understand... A guy who was like, he
1: supposed to be a steadying presence? I don't remember now,
0: and I don't remember him being like a world beater. That was like before Chicago really took the step, right? It was the trade happened in twenty ten. The the Blackhawks won the cup that, that following season, yep. but it wasn't like he was an integral piece there. And it's a big miss. Yeah, no, I, I would in terms of lopsidedness of what you missed. Yeah, that that's up there. It's it's one of the worst trades. It's one of the worst trades. So for me, that one was three.
1: Kim, I'm trying to think, was Cam Barker, was the strike against him that that much like Rask, he wasn't that good a skater? Probably. Like he, he just wasn't functional. Yeah, probably. And, and that trade from day one looked uh, suspect. And I, I think the only reason that over the next two years he played in 71 games for you was they were desperate to prove that they weren't that wrong. And they definitely were.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, and also he barely played in Chicago. The two seasons before, 51 games, 68 games, 45. Like, he never played a full season. The
1: third overall pick, Dex, in 2004. So he was just a bust. So Chicago must have had a, the Blackhawks had to have a parade, right? Yeah. To think that you took this guy, he's a bust. (laughs) And now you're to 2010, and you're probably thinking, oh boy, we're sunk here. He's playing in France right now. And you get, and yeah, and you get this very serviceable, nice, young piece. And look, Nick defensively had problems but in the vein of okay he can move the puck like he's a good he's a functioning player so yeah that's my fourth
0: okay so my my number three was cam barker for johnson
1: and letty too so how about you give me your three before i go to two all right my three is your five nino for Rask, and as i explained I'm not that I'm not that far from you on, and, and I know people loved him. Nino, you me know, too. I love the and, guy. No, but I mean, there he was just he was just because of the name yep. and his demeanor. He, he was a fan favorite. Um, but you know what? Trades happen all the time. It's right. what you it's what you get back. And the fact that Paul Fenton in that instance was so anxious to unload this guy that he took back a guy who everybody else clearly was telling him why right so that's my three
0: probably gonna get bought out too this summer unfortunately so another new buyout on the wilds
1: books again it happens all
0: right number two for me yes is the alex tuck trade and tuck has turned into everything that i wanted the wild to have you don't you don't trade away your first round picks you haven't hit on any of them. The one guy that has actually turned into a pretty serviceable player is Alex Tuck in Las Vegas because he, he's getting ice time. He's had a little bit of a down season this year uh, before the COVID-19 stopped the year. But he was watching him in Vegas, especially during that cup run and their second season. He was everything that Charlie Coyle wasn't. And you basically traded him away so a team wouldn't take Jonas in. And let me ask you this, too, as it, as it comes to my mind. If you could go back. And let's say Vegas, you don't make that trade, but Brodeen gets taken in the Brodine or Dumba. I'll go Brodeen or Dumba gets taken in the expansion draft, but you get to keep Alex Tuck. Would you have done it still? So, would you do it now?
1: Uh, boy. The problem is uh, is Vegas partially went to the Stanley Cup finals in its first year, which I still think is ridiculous. On the back of the fact that all of these teams absolutely went into blind panics and traded two or three guys instead of just accepting their loss of one. If it means, I, it was such a bad trade. No, I probably wouldn't. I, I'd, I'd roll the dice. I'd roll the dice sure. and say you're going to take a guy, take a guy. But I was so amazed at the amount of teams because Florida did it, Columbus, I believe, did it, Minnesota did it. They went into these just panics and oh, no. just oh, take Hall. Take I will trade you Hall and Tuck, and that's my two as well. And the worst part is. So, this was on uh, June 21st, 2017, Declan. Tuck was traded to Vegas for a 2017 or 18 conditional third round pick. Did you look who that has turned into? I forgot. And this, I did. And this is the problem. All right. Okay. So, let's say it's turned into a functional draft pick. And you're like, oh, okay. This guy's probably, oh, man. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad trade. Great. It turned into a kid by the name, a center by the name of Connor DeWare. At the time, was playing in the uh, in junior hockey for the Everett Silver Tips. He is now with the Iowa Wild, and before the shutdown of sports, in fifty two games, he had six goals and thirteen assists. And so, I don't know what he's going to be, but the point is, you didn't even it doesn't even look like you got back that much. And yeah, I just this trade because you know what Tuck is Tuck is who you wanted Coyle to be. Yep, who you want to This day, Greenway to be, yep. he was that player. And the other thing, too, is I guess in retrospect, here's my question Did Chuck offer them Coyle? Yeah. You I, know, you, you would have been far better off to say, Take Coil. Here's an established NHL player, Charlie Coyle. You can have him. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, you know, and who knows, the Golden Knights might have been smart enough to be like, No, we're, we're going to take. Young guys, or we're going to take, or we won't make the trade, and we're going to take a guy off your roster. I don't know. But Alex Tuck, and I get it. He's not a first-line guy. I think the last I saw he was playing third line yeah. for the Knights. So he is what he is, but he does give you that physical demeanor and presence. And you didn't so give I'm him with you.
0: any of a chance. You gave him seven games on a very yeah. good wild team, so it was hard for him to break the roster. But you just traded away your top prospect. For for mid-round
1: picks? But you know what this is, too? This is the other problem of expansion, and, and I believe it cost Vegas $500 million to get into the league, yeah. and then they said, okay, that's fine, but our expansion draft has to be good. You go back and look at what the Wild and Blue Jackets got as far as their expansion drafts mm-hmm. versus what Vegas got or what Seattle, whenever they do get started now, is going to get. And the other problem is, and, and that expansion draft never should have happened Because what that should have been was a team being relocated. Mm -hmm. So it's also maddening because it's the league's own cheapness that caused the expansion draft. Because there was no need to expand. You easily could have plucked. I could have plucked in one second the Arizona Coyotes, right? Yeah. Stuck them in Vegas. Right. Who cares? Yeah. What's that, a 20-minute flight? You know, so then you don't have this whole thing. So then Alex Tuck is on your roster. But yeah, I'm with you. That's my number two. All right. So I'm I'm at five through. We got five through two down here. I think we might agree on number one. There. I don't
0: think we do. I really don't think I'm, we do. We'll Maybe we
1: do. Be surprised if you're going to leave this trade off. Okay.
0: Because I'm surprised. Because won- we're,
1: we're in lockstep pretty much so yeah. far.
0: All right. So my number one trade that I think is the worst trade is the Martin Hansel trade. Oh, okay. Then and we don't agree. So, so I, we'll, we'll explain a little bit here. But the Martin Hansel trade goes a lot with the Matt Molson trade of You actually gave up more. You needed a center. You got someone who was a serviceable center, but certainly not really a, a, a top a, a top line center. He was be- he was the number one center on a horrible Coyotes team, and that was aging and rebuilding. And you missed once again that te- And that team was far and away, at least points wise, better than the 2013 14 team that took the Blackhawks to six games. You had a home ice advantage. You had a really good core, and all again. It's a broken record. You can rewind the podcast 15 minutes and hear the exact same things I'm about to say again. You didn't have a number one center. You gave up a first and a second and a conditional fourth for Ryan White, a, a, a throwaway bottom six guy, and then Martin Hansel who didn't materialize to anything. That This was, you were a good team and you went all in, and once again, you missed. And Martin Hansel, I feel a little bad for him. He didn't really gel in here very well, but you had an opportunity to go get an impact player and you gave up a ton of draft capital when you've already given up a lot of first round picks prior to that cuz Fletcher loved to do it and you missed and it and that in my opinion it once once the Hansel trade missed and you missed on Molson and you missed on other first round picks mm-hmm. it just added up and yes that does change your franchise in my opinion that changes the trajectory of your franchise more than it does the Rastford-Nino trade because the Rastford-Nino trade didn't cripple you it didn't hurt you so much for a long term for a long-term as a franchise. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's why it's the number one trade, and I, I know I'm leaving off a big trade. I'll explain why, but for me, that's the worst trade, is the Martin Hansel trade, because it was the best wild team that we've seen as in a, from a regular season standpoint, arguably, and it was a weak Western conference. You had a chance to really make a run, and you got Jake Allen by the Blues, but it, it, it keeps me up at night.
1: So, well, I'm sorry to hear that. So... <laughs> I believe Hansel's contract was up at the end of that season. He signed with Dallas yep. as a free agent. He got hurt, hurt his back, I believe. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, he's retired now. Um, th- that made my list of of honorable mention trades, bad trades. You know what that trade is instructive of, though? It's why you want to suck. Because that trade's instructive of just how hard it is to find the position that Parise talked about, centers. Like, they are so hard to come across. They're starting pitchers in baseball. They're, they're aces. And the Hansel trade, in which you gave up a ton to the Coyotes to get him, is an instructive lesson about just how much and how hard even guys who are decent, not even great, sometimes not that good, are at that spot. So I did have, I, I actually have, Declan, two honorable mentions on my list. One was that trade, which, as you said, um, sent um, sent a uh, – some. Very good draft capital, along with the guy Grayson Downing. Don't know where Grayson Downing is now.
0: Yeah, no idea where that is.
1: And then, as you said, a (laughs) 2017 first-round pick, 2018 second-round pick, and a 2019 conditional fourth-round pick for Hansel White and a 2017 fourth-round pick. My other honorable mention, March 28, 2006, my guy, defenseman, Willie Mitchell and a 2007 second-round pick go to Dallas for Sean Bell and a guy who, who I believe topped my most reviled wild player list a couple weeks ago Martin Skula, yeah you a guy. defenseman um Mitchell I think played out that season with the Stars and they acquired him for a playoff run and then he went and had uh had um a very successful successful stint with Vancouver played some with the Kings and Panthers but he played nine more years yeah Willie Mitchell was a guy they should have signed long term not traded so those are my two Honorable mention, I've got a feeling that my my one is probably on your list just below five. Sure, yeah, it is. June 24th, 2011, oh. and, I, and I know that this trade also coincided with the fact that this man's contract was um, coming up and that they were going to have to do a new contract and he was not going to be cheap. But Brent Burns and a 2012 second-round pick to the Sharks, and forget the name for a second because I'm going to give you the names that they got back, and that's why it's the worst trade to me. Charlie Coyle, who we always expected was going to turn a corner that he never turned. Nice guy. Devin Setaguchi, who was expected to, to come here and score goals, but unfortunately, and I don't know if the Wild hadn't done their background or on Setaguchi or just crossed their fingers, but he had a substance abuse problem, Yeah, and so it never even came close to clicking here. And he did have talent, but, but his off-the-ice problems... Uh, became an issue. And then what makes this the, the worst, and this is from the draft, if I'm not mistaken, that was held at the X, the The Wild also got San Jose's first-round pick, number 28 overall in that 2011 draft, and took a center by the name of Zach Phillips, who it turned out could not skate. Could not skate. I He not only never played here, the only thing that I heard about this young man was he just can't skate. Yeah. So you got a first-round pick, which is great, but he couldn't play. A, a guy who had off-the-ice problems that you should have known about. Like, your job is to do that research. It's to talk to people he knows. And if you find out that there's problems, you basically back out of said deal. And Charlie Coyle, who had a nice run here. And Brett Burns, of course, goes to the, the Sharks. Finds a home there because, you know, he started here. He was playing what? For, no, he's playing defense. And then he moved forward. And then they moved him back and forth. Um, And he turned into a Norris Trophy winning, not great defenseman, but overall player for the Sharks. That's why that's my worst trade in wild history. So
0: it's honorable mention to me because as much as we rag on Charlie Coyle, Coyle actually was a decent player and played for you for a long time and is turned in is probably going to be a, a decent little player in Boston. And he was serviceable. And Devin Setoguchi, you were hoping he could still be the 25 goal scorer he was in San Jose. He had some off the ice issues that unfortunately derailed but you've his got,
1: career. You can't not know that, right? I under—I get that. Like that's a huge, huge—that's a red flag against you.
0: And but on paper, when you made that trade, and I at that point, I remember I, I had just graduated high school. I was about to go to school at Saint Cloud State. Go Huskies! And. I, I like a lot of Minnesota sports fans at that point was kind of starting to get checked out of the wild. That was the boring years, the Todd Richards year post Gabrick. Sure. Um, it wasn't until that 11-12 season that I really started getting back into hockey, living with a bunch of hockey nuts. But on paper, when you made that trade on 2011, so you got Devin Setaguchi, an established NHL player. You got Charlie Coyle, who was a, a hot shot prospect, and you still got another first round pick in Zach Phillips. At the time, that actually looked like a pretty good haul for a guy in Brent Burns who was seeking a big dollar deal that you still weren't sure of. Where is he going to be? Burns goes to San Jose, and he's an absolute stud. I get that. But Coyle and Setaguchi gave you something that was worth, that you were able to work with it, right? especially Coyle.
1: But you can't, but, but you can't, two-thirds of, of that trade, you basically went in the john and flushed the toilet. And, yeah. Because Zach Phillips couldn't skate. Mm-hmm. Like, how do your scouts not know that? and and if you're dealing with with a guy like um Devin who had off, off the ice problems and I feel bad for him your research has to turn that up it's not it's not like he got traded here and started drinking yeah so it was a long so thing. you so you basically that night swung this deal burns in a 2012 second round pick for Coyle. that yes. that's the deal pretty much and and you accepted that and you either were incompetent um or you just basically decided we don't care.
0: And unfortunately with Zach Phillips, I mean that's probably the the nail on the coffin because just a few picks after Zach Phillips, who were still on the board, uh Ricard Raquel was the next pick, was two picks later, excuse me. Brandon Saad was taken a few picks afterwards. I didn't okay? even look at that. Um as well as John Gibson, a good goaltender in Anaheim, Boone Jenner for Columbus. There was these guys oh, were a, about nice. within the last within ten picks of when Zach Phillips was taken at twenty eight. So if you were at least able to get something back in that prospect that was great but I it's hard for me to call it the worst trade because the Wild were able to use pieces that were able to work with them nothing to the extent that Brent Burns became in San Jose but no one knew what to do with Brent Burns.
1: That's also a wild problem though that I could never figure out there there was this like man of mystery what yeah. can and it's and and basically what you should have done was turn him loose. Like why didn't they? Why didn't they just say what the sharks said which is Dude's going to give up some bad goals because defensively he's not great. But he's an unbelievable offensive talent. Like, right. he can move the puck. Like, what? why did it take – I always understood why Jacques struggled. Because, no, because Burns' incompetence defensively drove Jacques crazy. And there are some players that this franchise got who probably didn't develop under Lemare because of that. But after Lemare, like when Todd gets here, why doesn't Todd say – You know what? Just try and score forty goals. Can you imagine Jacques Lemar with Matt Dumba, especially early? early I saw it with Burns. He was the same thing. He couldn't do it. Like he would, he would move him around. He would go nuts. But that was because Jacques' fundamental trapping, locking system. Yeah, I mean, not Brent Burns. Not Brent Burns. But if you're Todd Richards, how do you not look at him from day one and say? You know what? I'm going to turn you loose. And
0: what, was it Richards too that still tried to try him out at wing? Did he? Did he? I probably, probably by that did, point right? they had
1: no. But to your point about all of that, by that point they had no. It was like they were dealing with a Martian. San
0: Jose had no, unless again, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty now because he's turned into a Norris kind of kind of guy. I don't think anyone in San Jose thought Brent Burns would turn into Brent Burns. Maybe I'm wrong in that. Assessment. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Like,
1: you, you know, he was. Tra- if I'm not mistaken, though. Um, Doug Wilson was GM of the Sharks at that time as well, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dougie Wilson was an outstanding offensive defenseman for, for the Blackhawks when, back in the days when uh, the North Stars hated them. And Dougie Wilson had a huge shot and could move the puck. And I wonder if Doug Wilson saw that kid play and thought, you know what, why not? And it's just it's the fact that the Wild, the Wild had to have offers for Burns that involved a few packages, right? There's no way. Sharks or bust, That's
0: a good point. Yeah, like there had to be four I, I or five, those. four
1: or five teams. Yeah, and and to take a package that included one player with personal problems, and then to turn around and just flush that first round pick mm. drives me crazy. And char, you know, Charlie Coyle, I, I agree with you. Nice player, nice player. But the the funny thing was the Sharks got Burns, and Burns like immediately flipped a switch. And the wild got uh got coil and when by the time Charlie got here, we were we were always like, When's he gonna flip the switch? Yeah, I know. And we'd have two weeks where he'd flip the switch and you'd be like, Oh my here god, he is. here comes Charlie Coyle. And then you'd have a month where he went back to being like, Eh, do I wanna go in front of the net? Goodbye. All right. What what else you got for me before we wrap up here?
0: I don't I don't think I got a lot of other things. I mean, these trades and lists have been fun. In fact, if anyone has suggestions on things we haven't done, by all means, tweet at Judd Zolgat. And I. he's at Jay Zolgat. I'm at Dex's tweets. Uh, you also have been gifted with bonus episodes in your podcast feed from our Minnesota Sports Rewind. Those have been fun, you, you man. Know you know what's the best part as we close here? We've kind of turned Phil Mackey
1: into a hockey nut. Well, he's a, he is, I think Phil, and I've worked with Phil now for a long time. I think the thing I can say about Phil is he has a great appreciation for Minnesota sports history. And so it's fun. And and you know, he, he was around in uh two thousand three for that playoff run. And I will say this, as I said on uh on the episode that we did with Wes Walls rewinding to the two thousand three playoff run and in particular the Game Seven OT Windex, I will say I really do believe that in my lifetime that is the greatest unexpected Minnesota sports playoff run I've ever seen. and yeah, no one saw it coming. The 91 North Stars, you also thought, because they played a Blackhawks team, that was markedly better than them. But the North Stars at least were an established franchise. Three years in to have, well, and of course now the Golden Knights have proven, hell, they can do it one year in. But three years in to have the Wild do that and to beat that Avs team, you know, again, Blake, Sackick, Waugh, Forsberg, to oust that team, that was really, really cool. Yeah, so that's what I got. You're
0: All right. Check out your bonus feed. There's the 03 playoff run, and as well as uh, Zach what, what was what's, what's the episode I'm blanking on that we just did?
1: The greatest uh, the greatest free agency day in Minnesota sports yes. history, July 4th, 2012. Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Uh, don't debate me. It's still the greatest free agency day. I know it didn't work out with Stanley Cups. Yep.
0: So find those where you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth, ScoreNorth.com, ScoreNorth
1: app. All right. Thank you, sir. It's uh, Judd's Hockey Show, but don't forget the most important thing is the side of Declan. Pass, shoot, score.